Hello, welcome to another episode of On the Floor with Wayne and Rob. I'm Wayne Highlander, National Sales Manager for Bone Adhesives. And I'm Rob Johnson from Bone Training. How we doing, Rob? Pretty good. Good. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic, man. No complaints. Uh, I, w- I want to thank Pauline, your, your lovely bride. I mean, I joked around about you guys sending me a pecan pie, and, and um, the, it arrived yesterday, and it's almost gone. Mm. That was the absolute best pecan pie I've ever had in my life. I love the day that you get it, too. I, uh, I called Wayne and said, hey, um, be on the lookout today. You know, I think your uh, pie and some T-shirts are going to show up today. And he goes, oh, great. I was having breakfast with Judy this morning, and I wanted to start a diet today. So yeah. that is that a great way to start a diet or what? Uh, I, I just, it's, nice it's funny how when I started – when I start a diet, I put all the I'll put all the the pressure on Judy. No. I always, I say, I you know what Judy, you just, you, you feed me too much, you know. I mean the portions got to be smaller, you know, and I can't be I can't eat pasta and all this stuff now. I mean you know, and you got like you, you bring like snacks like nuts and stuff in the house. I mean I can't eat that, and um, so all my problems are hers. Her, she's... And then late at like about eight o'clock at night, we we'll watch TV, and I'll go. Judy, uh, you have the, those nuts? What 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 happened to those nuts? She goes, well, you told me to hide them. I go, I know, but just maybe just a little bit. And she goes, oh, Wayne, and she goes and gets them. So um, now remember, it's the macadamia nuts for guys our age. Uh listen, that's yes, what you want. It's in. It's all in the right quantities. No, no, the macadamia nuts are the testosterone builder that I was are talking really? about. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'll look at that. You got like to watch what nut you eat. You eat the wrong nut. Yeah. You go on the wrong way, baby. I've always, well, you remember when Southwest Airlines would give everybody peanuts? And yes. once in a while you get on a plane and they say, well, today we can't give out peanuts because there's a passenger on here that, that is allergic to peanuts. And you want to stand up and go, who? Who, who is doing who, this to me? Who did this to everybody? I'd like to call ahead on the airlines and tell them, you know, I can't, I'm, I have allergies to peanuts and everything and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So they make that announcement and then break open about a one pound bag of peanuts during the middle of the flight. And they go, sir. I go, no, no, no I, I called it in. It was me. Turns out it's shellfish. I'm good. As I drop peanuts all over around me. They- we had a lady one at one flight a while back. She stood up and she was talking to like eight rows around her and said, I have uh, an, a really bad airborne peanut allergy. So if anybody wants to eat their nuts or if you brought peanuts or you want to eat the, please tell me and I'll just go back and sit in the bathroom until you're done. And I was thinking, is anybody going to tell this woman, hey, you might want to head out. I'm going to I'm going to slowly eat this bag of nuts. I th- I think you yeah, would. Uh, you know, you, listen, I'm, I'm, I, I brought this bag. I bought it in the airport. And I, I, I to be honest with you, I am a little hungry. Yeah. So, yeah. How bad is that nut allergy, though? Oh, it's terrible. And you know, for anybody who has it, I knew a guy who really had it bad, so. You know, uh, all right. My grandson has it. It's it's rough on parents. I, I, 
used to just blow that stuff off, but uh, man, Emily and Brian, their two boys got they got some egg allergy, some dairy, some nuts. It's it's uh, it's rough, but um, we've learned a whole new way to cook, so nobody gets left out. Well, you know, you, you feel like um, you hear stuff like that, you go, ah, whatever, because it doesn't affect you. You know, that's why you need to have empathy and really put yourself in the other people's position, man, because it, it is, uh, you know, anytime it, you start really seeing how these things, they're real, man, they're problems. Right. But, um, I do like my peanuts. Well, uh, now it affects me, so that's why yeah. I had to stand up and take notice, you know? There you go. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Rob. So listen, we you you've said many times. We talked about this many times about you know what we do um, in this little world that we live in. Is flooring is, is is we're craftsmen, right? And uh, you know we're not. It's not like uh, putting part A on part B and assembling something that's already made or whatever. We're we're making something with our own hands, with our own eyes. We're feeling it and touching it and bringing it in the house and it's living <clears> and growing and. And when we put in floors for people or we sand floors, there's a lot of ways a job can go south. And I was just thinking about, you know, ahead of this podcast is like, uh, there's a lot of, you know, you have the sanding process and then you have the, 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 the staining process and the finishing process. And then, and then the afterwards, and then the, the installation process and how many things along the way that can go wrong. So I thought maybe we'd break it down to the to each different process and start with the sanding first. And let's not even I mean we're not even including bidding the job properly and getting the job, bidding the job and getting the job and coordinating the job and buying the material and all those things that go into it. I mean that and that 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 in itself is a job. But afterwards when you're sanding the job now and we're, we're you know starting today I mean you know I mean I think it I think it is different than it was before. I don't think chatter marks are a thing like they used to, to, to be right with the, the we talked about belt sanders and the power drive and what have you. But so look at what can go let's, the things that can go wrong just with the sanding process alone. OK, um, I, I think and you think in your mind of, OK, what are, what are the callbacks you hear about and what are the callbacks you've experienced in your career? And, and I think you'd have to put scratches pretty close to the top of that list. Right. Or somewhere on that list. Anyhow. Right. Okay. Edge your marks around the around the around the around the perimeter of the wall, in a bad place, or between an island and a kitchen, or uh, you know the using the wrong grit on um, on a on a buffer and having sanding marks and sanding screen marks in the floor, can lights in the ceiling have certainly changed the game uh, on how we sand floors. I think as I remember before can lights came in, you probably remember when candles were the main lighting source for homes. Right. We're going to be nice to each other, right? Yes. I think we yeah. both learned our lesson. We, well, did we both learn a lesson or? I'm, I'm so far, I'm scot free. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. Okay. I have learned, I've learned a lesson big okay. time. All right. Well, like I say to my students all the time, hey, um, you know, in my heyday, <clears throat> it was 40, 80, satin poly and bad lighting. You can get away with just about anything. Yeah. Back just, then. just the lighting, just changing the lighting, just opening the blinds and, and just a, you know a window facing facing the ocean or whatever. The, the just what light does to our jobs is yeah. you could be a rock star on ten jobs in a row, 
and do the same process to the same floor, the same system, and get in the house with a different light source, and you got all kinds of problems. We talk about being a craftsman and, and not all jobs are the same and that way we have to charge and why we have to keep honing our skills and what have you. You know, what we did on the last job or five jobs or 10 jobs, you know, you can't, there's no one, as much as we would like to have a system and you can pretty much get a system in this business, you know, and I think it's smart to have a system of what you do, but it, 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 still in all, every job is a custom job and you sometimes have to tweak it to, uh, to, to fit the, uh, the job site. So scratches, what other than scratches on the standing well, job? Okay, hold on a second there, Tiger. Boy, you're flying this morning, huh? Yeah, well, it's early. I still got a lot of energy. You, you, had, your, you had your Wheaties this morning. You're going, mm -hmm. baby. It's nuts. Uh, right off the bat, you mentioned, eh, we don't really have to worry about chatter marks anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, I do want to touch on that a little bit. And it's something that I show all the students uh, at the classes. And every single one of them, when I show them this little trick, they're like, wow. That's exactly right. That's exactly because sometimes guys are calling me and stuff, and or they used to call me. Oh, I'm getting chatters. Uh, I'm I'm getting chatter marks in the floor, and they're using belt sanders. So that you know that's impossible. How can you get a chatter with a belt sander? Well, around here, you know, or just about anywhere, but especially around here when it gets cold at night, if you put that drum away. And you don't take the tension off of the sanding belt. That rubber, now that rubber's been running all day long. That rubber gets nice and warm and soft and pliable. And if you don't release the tension on that sanding mar, uh, sanding belt, you're going to hold two flat spots on the rubber. Then when you come in the next day, now that rubber cools down. But when it cools down, it cools down with some flat spots on it and it takes the colder that drum got if it was you know outside in your truck overnight and it you know dipped down into the 20s that rubber is going to be pretty hard and it's going to stay hard for a little while so guys will get chatter marks for a half hour you know the first half hour of the job so you need to uh, and especially uh, around here it gets so cold and everything but anywhere need to get into that habit of releasing the pressure off of that sanding belt and that's going to take away uh, a lot of issues that guys have with chatter marks because most of the guys i talk to when they're talking i have chatter marks and i'm like eh, all right let's talk about it was it in the first one or two rooms of the job and it's always yeah yeah it was and then it started to go away that's after the drum starts to heat up so um, release the tension on those belts when I first uh, learned that, um, I think it was an NWA class, and uh, and from then on it was habit from that day on. Um, that and also my wheels never touched the ground unless I was sanding. Sometimes I see guys wheeling in a, a, a belt sander across a cobblestone uh, sidewalk and whatever. And I'm thinking, man, <laughs> you're braver than I am. I don't trust nothing, nothing like that. I would no way I would do that. Even when it's in my van, it's uh, it's on blocks. When I'm when I leave for the end of the day. I turn it up, put it on blocks. I take the tension off the belts. You're so right, Rob. Wait, that was the one that we learned the hard way. I, I hate to always go back to, you know, you and I were around since they invented the wheel. But I remember all of our equipment, you know, for years. 
was nothing but steel wheels. Yeah. Remember? It was steel yep. wheels. You, you could run those down the highway. You, yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Clean them off a little bit, of, uh, brush them off a little bit, and you were good to go. And we learned that one the hard way when our, you know, equipment came in with the first set of like neoprene wheels, rolling that up and down driveways and sidewalks. Oh my God, picked up just about every single piece you could pick up. Well, we did a job one time when it was American Cherry and um, routine, sand refinish it and everything went great. And then we put the finish on. And you can see the tiniest little, little indentations here and there on the job. Oh. And I'm like, what the hell, man? I've never experienced that before. And we're going, what? what? I mean, we're checking each other's shoes. What could have caused that? And then we looked at the machine last, and it was a steel wheels, but it had little, 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 couple little pebbles under it. You know what I mean? That got in yeah. that wheel, like embedded. And American Cherry is a worst case scenario. So, you know, what should have been like a, you know, a three day job turned into a five day job. And because we, we saw it right away and, and you know, told the guy, hey, we're going to need another day here sanding. So in the end, it turned out fine. And also, that's where I also learned where edgers with steel wheels on certain species of wood. Uh, well, leave those uh, indentations in the wood, in the uh, wood, and you don't see it till the end, too. So, yeah. We used to have a radiator. Do you remember the old radiator machines? Yes, sir. Yeah. That had, like, ball bearing wheel. They were like a big ball bearing wheel. Yep. Yeah. We, we learned that one the hard way. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, all the lessons come hard, man. All right, so sanding. Um, what else, Rob? What what callbacks in the sanding process alone? I mean, I'm not even going to go into stop marks and all that kind of stuff. That that's pretty, you know, pretty one hundred and one. Um, um, you know, you were talking about light, um, and I'm a, you know, I always go back to what we're talking about in the schools because. Sometimes you really see guys like, wow, that is an eye-opener, okay? Every show that Pauline watches as far as renovation shows, it's amazing how many of them knock out a wall in a kitchen and replace it with sliding glass doors, French doors, light, okay? Everything is light. So one of the things that I take a, a lot of time going over is light sources and sight lines. And where is the homeowner walking into the job and when she walks into a room where's she looking you know what's the first thing she sees where's the light source coming in where are the doorways where you know where you got to look at the room figure out because you know most of us for the longest time we just walk into a room and and we just we just start sanding right but now i got people when they walk into a room now it's a calculation. Where are my sight lines? Where are the light sources coming in? And how many cuts am I going to make? Because we don't want to leave a short side cut in an entranceway, in an area where somebody's going to walk. So now I take a look at the room. Where are the light sources? Where are the sight lines? How many cuts am I going to make? That's going to tell you exactly where to start your long cut, short cut, and you know, maybe end up in the middle. But you, you just stole what I was going to say, too, is about the cuts of the boards. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that doesn't was, happen much, does it? No. Nothing, when uh, we bought our house in, in uh, California, 
in one of the bedrooms, uh, you open the door and boom, 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 boom. There's a stair step right in front of the door with a board starting about six inches. And I was like, why in the world would the guy have put the, put the, put these boards right here? You could have put them on the, if you're going to do that, put them on the other side of the wall. Cause the other side of the wall, I went to look at them and they're like long lengths. Like, Beautiful. Well, that's, where, right. that's where the bed's going to be. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Of, it, it, yeah. It's those little things that make all the difference. All the difference in the world. Yeah. I mean, you walked into that room and that's a, wow, that's crazy. I hate being right all the time, but. You might've seen me looking around here. I've been looking around to find out the, uh, the NWFA uh, uh, conference this year in Milwaukee, because I mentioned NWFA, I think it's May 2nd through 4th, I think. Uh, but there's the countdown, they have a countdown on their website somewhere. I was looking for it, how, how many days away it is. But uh, uh, so just a, a heads up about that convention. So, uh, I hope, uh, you know, we're going to be there. I hope, you know, I always look forward to seeing everybody show up so uh, and, and come out and uh, uh, see the fellows and support the NWFA and what have you. Milwaukee is a uh, more of a fun town than people realize it is. Uh, the Harley Davidson Museum is there, and there's come up some really cool bars there. So, uh, yeah, there you go. I, you know, I think I've talked about Milwaukee on the show before. Um, you know, I covered the Midwest a lot um, back in my sport days, and uh, you know, I had buddies. Hey, you travel out? What was your favorite city? I go, oh, Milwaukee. And they'd all laugh like I was putting them on. I'm like, uh -huh. no, no. Milwaukee is a great, it's got a great downtown. It's got a great, you know, riverfront atmosphere. Um, I always, I go, yeah. And you can, you know, pull up to a great bar and park. No, it, the parking's, I mean, it's a nice, convenient, easy city to get around. So people are going to have a blast in Milwaukee. You're, you're not going to... Uh, you're not going to believe it because uh, I'm a true believer of the town now. Nice. Very and nice. everybody, everybody is so nice. Yep. That's, uh, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story about how nice people are. Okay. To get into the Boston Garden, you know, Billy and I had worked on the Boston Garden a few times doing different things on the Celtics floor. And, I, I mean, you, it, it's almost like trying, it, it's probably easier to get into a prison than it is to get into the Boston Garden. Okay. And then once you're in, it's like there's a chaperone, a guard with you the whole time. And, you know, I, I get it. It's, it's security, right? I mean, you just can't have anybody, you know, walking in. So um, the night I pull in, well, I pull in the afternoon. And they're playing the Atlanta Hawks. And the Atlanta Hawks bus is, is also pulling in, okay? So I kind of pull in behind the Atlanta Hawks boss, uh, bus. So as I get to the gate, I had sent nobody a heads up that I was showing up. I, you know, I got a call. Hey, can you come out and take a look at something? I was like, yeah, no problem. So I didn't tell anybody I was coming, right? I just figured I'll get to the gate and they'll call somebody. They pull up to the gate, and there's this kid working the gate, you know, 20s. He said, can I help you? I go, yeah I'm, yeah, I'm here to take a look at the floor. He goes, oh, okay, no problem. It's just, you know, park right over there. Just, you know, park on the other side of the bus. I was like, okay. Now, remember, nobody knows I'm coming. And, hey, kids, don't try this at home. You know, you probably get arrested now, but this was, you know, eight years ago. 
So I park over. Now I get out, I'm getting out of the car, and the team, the guys from the team, they're walking in through the door, you know, the in the back of the arena. So I said, Well, I'm not gonna walk in with these guys. I'll wait till you know they clear out. So now you come up, now they're in there. I come up to a you know guy in kind of like a glass booth with the microphone. I said, Hey, admit. Uh, he goes, can I help you? I'm, yeah, here, take a look at the floor. Oh, okay, let me buzz you in. Boom, buzzes me in. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm standing on the basketball court. And nobody has said a word to me. Wow. I mean, I'm just, hey, Boston, I'd have been jumped. They'd have, you know, put me in handcuffs. Wow, that's crazy. And they're just the nicest damn people. Mm. So finally, I'm like, hey, can you, you know, and I, I had to speak to the, you know, head superintendent or whatever, and I'm finding somebody, hey, can you say, you know, call so-and-so and get him down here? He comes down and uh, he goes, hey, how'd you get in? I, I said, I just, I said, I just told everybody I was working on the floor. They just let me right in. So I, I'd love that town. People are going to have a blast in Milwaukee and yeah. uh, do yourself a favor talk to some of the townies, talk to some of the people who live around there because they are, they are just the best people you ever meet. Well, it, it is May 2nd through the 4th and it's 73 days, 22 hours and 33 minutes away. <laughs> That's the countdown, the expo countdown. So, all right. All right. So let's go move on to the staining process. What can go wrong with the staining process? Uh, obviously, you know, getting stained in the wrong place, right? Putting it where, you know, spilling the stain or putting it somewhere it's not supposed to be. Um, wrong color, uneven color, uh, not drying before you put the finish coats on. So even, so in that process alone, there's a lot of things that can go south. And probably if you look at the list of complaints of that callbacks, whatever, stain's probably pretty high up there. Whether it's the wrong color or because of the sanding system, sanding process, the color is not what they wanted it to be or, or something went wrong in the stain selection. A lot of sometimes also uh, buyer's remorse. I thought I wanted ebony because that little two foot by two foot sample looked really nice. But now when the whole floor is that color, uh, now it's, it's an issue. So, uh, you know what I think can help a lot. And yeah, I'm, I'm getting this from the tech line. I mean, we get a lot of stain calls. And a lot of the stain calls, I think, right off the bat, could have completely been eliminated on the day you walked in and looked at the stain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And make sure that the homeowner has taken a look at the stain. Or snap pictures uh, of color samples. And you know what I mean? Because once you get finished on it, now all of a sudden... Now you're really in a quagmire. You've just loaded, you know, laid out a bundle of money for finishes and everything, and, and now everything's a do because that is the, that's the big one that we hear on the tech line is what can I do now? I'm done, and now they want it, you know, darker or lighter, and you know, so now now you're swimming for your life. So, you know, I think uh, if I get fired and have to go back to doing floors and staining. Boy, I am going to be holding everybody's hand every step of the way about, okay, are we sure here? This is all good. You know, let's walk the floor a little bit. 
you really love this color, right? You, because man, the, I feel for these guys. I feel their pain through the phone. I really do. I know I don't want to sound like our president saying, oh, I feel your pain. I do. I know. Because they're done. They thought they were done. And now, you know, everybody's like, you yeah, know, well, you know, here's this and here's what it looks like. So you um, got to bring the homeowner in before you start capping that stain off. Yeah. And then obviously, if you have to sand it over, yeah, you, know, you have to worry about the bleed back, and then that your your sawdust is more flammable than ever. So be very careful about that. Um, also, um, you know, we lived in an area with a lot of five sixteenths floors. I talked about, or if you're on a really thin floor and the floor is dark, and they want to go light, that's another conversation that has to happen because we would tell them, look, I, I'm not going to be able to get all this this stain out of the soft grain. So on this sample, you're looking at this, this nice, clean sample of, of a very light color. Be aware that you got these nail holes here that the stain around, I won't be able to get the stain around uh, all that out, the stain in the soft grain between the boards. You know, customer expectations, having that, that, that conversation up front goes a, a, a mile, man. Um, finishes. Uh, also, another area where, you know, uh, probably the biggest area of, of concern. Now, whether it's the sheen issues, I thought I thought the semi-gloss was going to be a little shiny, but not that shiny. Or is it going to be this, the satin? Is it is it going to get shinier than that? Or is it going to, you know what I mean? <laughs> Those conversations, uh, which all comes down to expectations. And then um, drips, a few drips on the floor, a holiday um a t-bar mark a wand mark those type of things so there's areas you know where these jobs can go south you try to figure out what could go wrong in my jobs and i think it's so important to walk the job and when when you're coding the floor especially especially back in the day when all we had was t-bars now guys have a lot of guys have switched to rollers and i think it it it, it ends a lot of a, a lot of problems in some cases can open up some problems but I think by and large, it ends a lot. It, it can stop a lot of problems. But we would really walk that floor to determine which way we're going to coat this floor uh, with long hallways and stuff like that, and which would be the best way to approach this. And some of the ways are, are just really out of the box. You know what I mean? They're just not just just start pick a wall and start going um, because you got an 80 foot long hallway and uh, with a light source coming right at you. That's going to see everything or stairs is coming right up to the floor where your eye is going to be level with that floor now it really takes a lot of thinking on how i want to how i want to uh, approach this job you gotta map it out you know i've told that story a hundred times on the show about uh, the time bum and i were doing a job i don't know it was, you know six or eight rooms it was a lot of rooms and i was just going to jump in because i've done it so many times okay we'll start here let's go Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, I really sat down and mapped it out. I drew a picture of how we were going to, and I completely changed how we did it. You know, I just made a bunch of escape routes everywhere, you know, laid that first coat of finish down, let it dry, went to other rooms. As in, by the time we were done laying all our escape routes, everything tied together nice. But if I didn't sit and map it out, Mm -hmm. it it have been a lot tougher than it was okay yeah it would have been I, a lot tougher than it was i've been on jobs before where okay it's a very complicated layout and the first first coat i put on i'll go this direction 
thinking that that'll be the way to go. And then, uh, then the second quote, I go, no, I didn't like that man because when I got to here, it got this got a little, a little uh, complicated. Got, got let's a start little hanky, yeah, yeah. Let's start over here and work the other direction, and you kind of work it out. And hopefully, by you put the last coat on, you got that figured out, which is going to be the best way to go. And setting yourself up for success is so important, man. It, especially when, when uh, you know, it comes to the end of the job, you put so much work into the job. You've really, and that's the biggest heartbreaker to me, is when you've sanded the floor and put all the work and the efforts into sanding to get a beautiful sand job. You stained it. You put all the work into that. And now because of a decision, maybe not a really thought out decision or whatever, or, or you know, a small mistake that, that can cost you the whole job. Uh, it's a heartbreaker, man. That, 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 this is why guys got to get paid, man. Well, well, and it is a craft. It, it is truly uh, a, a, an art and a craft to do floors. You know, you know um, I think something that can help with those little things too, like, you know, those little drips and yeah, that can really make or break a job. But I think as craftsmen, and I, I think we, you and I have both learned this through the years of talking to so many different types of guys and how they run their business. And I think the guys who are really successful are the guys who offer not only their craft, but the customer experience, their customer's experience, you know? And I think one thing that we realize now is uh, those customers are pretty nervous about what's gonna happen. They, you know, most of them have never been through something like this before. You know, they met you and everything at the estimate, but, you know, there's a lot of nervousness, some anxiety with them. And I think that's something that, that that's what we have to be looking at. I know if I had to ever go back and, you know, start up another business or something, man, I would be all about that. I mean, not only hitting the craft, but also offering that experience to the customer, you know, constant updates and make sure everybody on the crew introduces himself when they walk through the door, you, you know, I want to be your, you don't want to be friendly and everything, but I don't want to be too friendly. I don't, I don't need an invitation to the family reunion. You know, I don't want to talk too much, but I, I want them to know that they can reach out to me. That kind of, I think the guys uh, who are doing really well are, are offering up that customer experience. Before you go there, I want to finish one thought uh, on the, on the finishing. When, when I knew that I was going to be okay in this business, when I finally, when I had the confidence that, okay, I, I can run this business and I can do this job, is when I realized no matter what I did, I could fix. What, whatever went wrong, I knew I could fix it. And that was very empowering for me. And um, it, it's not a bad, you know, that's why I like going to a lot of these schools, like your schools, the end of day schools, or practicing on your own panels, practicing a repair. You say, look, I got, put some drips out there and say, how can I fix this? You know, what's the best way? Take razor blades or nib files or those type of things and different type of uh, uh, sanding grits and, and maybe some uh, automotive polishes or whatever to try to fix a repair. You know, make a mistake and try to fix it. That's when you know you got it. Because, I mean, it's one thing to do stuff by the book and do whatever, but what, you know, nothing always works out perfectly. So having a you know being having a, a way to be able to do these repairs and fix things 
man, it goes miles and really can, can get you out of a, a lot of jams and, and save you a lot of heartache. But you're right. Uh, to your point, I think people want to be heard today. And there's nothing where you got a customer that doesn't think that their 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 needs are they're they're getting heard. You got a you got a real problem on your hands. And I've 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 been on a job where a contractor, not a flooring contractor, general contractor, was talking to a homeowner in the kitchen, and she, I, I could hear her angst about the cabinets. You know what I mean? And yeah. he was no oh, no yeah we got it we got it we're gonna do this whatever. He just pulled past right past her, right. and I just seen the look on her face like no, I'm. That's not what I'm talking about, and I don't really think you got it right now. And he just kind of blew past it, whatever. And I'm thinking this dude's going to have a hard time. And sure enough, man, he did. And she, and finally, she's like, "Stop! I don't think you understand. I don't want to talk to you anymore. I want to talk to somebody else because I, 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 you're not understanding me." And so, wow. you know, customers need to be heard. And and I think you're so right, Rob. And I I and I I would have to change the way I did business too. I've said it before, I was not a very touchy-feely guy. I was all business. I'm in your home, it's business. I, t- I told, told my guys, don't be talking about anything except this job. Don't talk about any, don't get outside this box of, of, of what we're doing right here, right now. We're proceed to be experts in this one area. Don't start talking about anything else that could go down there, especially today, that could go down the wrong road. I mean, you know, some people are just like, we probably had, all had customers that, even when the job went fine, everything went great. Couldn't be great. They got the check in their hand and they're walking around like, uh, like I just don't want to write this check. I got to find <laughs> something. You know what I mean? There's got yeah, to be yeah. something before I write this check. It's like you, you, you have to drag it out of their hand. Look, the job is done. It's perfect. You know it's perfect. I know it's perfect. Write the check. You know what I mean? But yeah. there's just like they just hanging on to that check. And a lot of it is their past experience. They feel like once you leave with that money, that's the end of you. And I think like you're to your point, making it about the experience that uh, understand you're in good hands here. You know, we have. Uh, uh, yes, exactly. We've been around a while. We're very good at what we do. I'm accessible. And I think that is. And by the way, I'll give you all these things. But I want to get paid for all these things, too. And I think at the end, I, I mean, you and I have both been on jobs where they couldn't wait to pay you. They were happy to pay you. Yeah, it was a great experience. I don't know how many times Pete and I would hear that like, wow, uh, we thought it was going to be much dustier. We thought it was going to be this. We thought it was going to be that, you know. Um, So there are those people that can't wait to pay you because they have had some bad experiences in the past. And now finally, you know, you've given them. And, you know, when you were talking, just saying. All I could think of was uh, my uncle and my dad. And one of the best things about them, one of the biggest things I learned from them is never get excited, okay? Never get excited. Too many people get too excited when something goes wrong. You know what I mean? They they start flipping out. And if you're flipping out or you're flipping out in your guys or something, think of what the homeowner's hearing or seeing, Right? Like, no matter what, you know, you, you blew a plug on a motor or something like that, you know, just take it in stride. These, you know, these things happen. Don't don't even mention it. Stay calm. Uh, if you always... stay calm, your homeowner, your customer, they're going to feel it. But, boy, if something happens, you know, like, I should have fixed that plug two months ago. You, you know, those kind of things, that's all going to. 
my favorite kind of people are the kind of people that like do horrible, horrible work, but stay completely calm. Like, <laughs> I would like to analyze how you're able to do that. You know what I mean? Like you're getting just just torched and and you're and for good reason and and you just take it all in stride. Yep, I understand. Yep, we got the we got the drapes on fire. I get it. Yep, but you know what? Things happen. Hey, guess what? You're gonna get new drapes out of this. Yeah, yeah. What you know? Go pick them out. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was the king of that. That's how I got through uh, middle school. Uh, that was me in middle school. Yeah. I failed science in the seventh. I was a seventh grade kid. Failed science. I failed. Wow. Four year, four quarters. End of the thing. Failed. Big F in the report card. You know what it said next to the F? Huh. Pleasure to have in class. <laughs> Well, you did your job. Yeah, pleasure to have in class. He failed. What? You, how, how was he a pleasure? Oh, you know, my parents went to. I, that was probably one of the worst report cards I ever had in my life. I mean, it was bad, and all the teachers loved me. <laughs> my parents are like, how? It was one of the few times in my life where my parents requested a meeting with some of the teachers. Mm-hmm. Like, this is. You can't keep pushing this kid through just because you guys like him, okay? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hold him to the fire. <laughs> um, I didn't fail seventh grade science because I think it was actually, it was either, no, it had to be seventh grade because we were in Michigan at the time. Rudyard High School, uh, junior high. Junior high? No, seventh grade was in high school in, in, in um, it was a military school. Um, in science, our, our class was, uh, we had to build these aquariums. And however long they lasted was your grade. You know what I mean? Like we had to put sand in there, you had to put different plants in there and what have you. And if they lasted like the end of the whatever, you got like an A. So, you know, and, and so we all made ours. We went back for a three day vacation. I came back and we're, they're all on the wall. Okay, on, on this back wall. I looked at mine and everything in there was dead. It was like, it was like Chernobyl. I was shocked. I couldn't believe how dead everything was. So I, I opened up the window at lunch and I pushed six of them out the window. <laughs> so we got a do over, you know, six of us. So, uh, yeah, you know, there you go. Just science. It's okay, Rob. Yeah, science. Um, all right. We got to wrap it up here pretty quick. Um, so. So offer up that experience. Yeah. Keep everybody posted of what's going on. Make them part of the job. Take all doubt out of their mind of everything. When you're going to be there, you know, how you like the colors. I'm going to have a color down. Let's get together before I start capping this color off. That kind of thing. Make them part of the experience. It's just going to go a long way for everybody. There is one more I didn't bring up that I wanted to bring up. And that one is that you made too much money off me syndrome. Uh, which is real sometimes where you've, you've finished a job, you know, you've been there a week and they give you 9,000 or you're asking for $9,000 and they are starting looking around like, wow, $9,000. You guys were here like 36 hours and you have to be able to defend that. And that, that happens. That absolutely does happen. Especially when a guy went to school for seven years and, and he's, you know, he's, he's not making anywhere near money. You are, you're in a pair of shorts. And, uh, you know, you know, 
maybe got long hair and tattoos or whatever, and this guy's a military crew cut and whatever, and he's done everything right his whole life and went to college all these years, and you know he's got six kids and whatever, and he's barely making it through, and and uh, you're 26 years old and you got a six pack stomach, and he's you know 60 pounds overweight, and uh, now he's going to write you a check for nine thousand dollars. So sometimes that happens. So yeah, I think you have to be. That's why the experience is everything. If you get to the end of the job and they just, you just knocked it out of the park and you just, everything went great. And, and you, you bring him the newspaper every day because it's sitting at the end of his driveway. You're overly polite to him, whatever. And you do all these different things. And at the end, you, and, you know, and especially sometimes if I know like, wow, we, you know, we made some pretty good money on this job. I might, go, you know, I might give him some coasters, the furniture, you know what I mean, and a and a and a, and a bonnet cleaning kit and everything, just to like just go over the top, and uh, and then say, listen, call me back in a year's time, you know what I mean? We go through and look at it. If you need coasters, whatever, uh, then you know we really made good money on the job. But it's funny you said that because uh, I had that exact same conversation with my dentist. I did his floors. And he was literally cutting me a check, and he's like, holy mackerel, this is, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, well, and him and I were, were friends, so we could, you know, kind of bust with each other. So I kind of busted him back. I'm like, really? I, I mean, you're in my mouth for a cleaning, and you know, I'm like $200, you know? Yeah. And he goes, hey, you know, I went to school for eight years yeah. to learn how to do that. I have a huge investment. I go... Do you know how much that machine is? Yeah. I go, that machine right there cost me $5,000. And he's, yeah. he, I was pointing to the drum sander. He's like, no, no way. And I'm like, oh, hell yeah. He did not believe that. Wow. And I said, I've been doing this since I was four years old. How many years is that? You got eight years in school? The rest of the time, you were just hacking around. That's I've been it. doing this since I was four. Yes. Hey, and that's the other point. We'll leave it at this is that is that you're you're also paying me for my experience to get to this point. Be all these things that I did. I talked about I talked about the sanding process. I talked about the staining process, the finishing process. And we didn't even go into the installation with acclimation and and uh, subfloor prep and all these other different things. All these, you know, all these things, not to mention running the all business. these things that I make look easy. Yes, yes. So that's what you're paying for. All right, Rob, I appreciate it, man. We have a great episode coming up. I'm looking forward to, so we'll leave it at that. This has been another episode of On the Floor with Wayne and Rob. Please stay tuned for another episode. Oh.